Hello and welcome to another New Game Plus. This is again in our series of genre recommendations and this time we're going for a kind of nebulous genre but one that we think is strong enough for an episode and that's Zelda Lights. Yeah. So this one probably more than any of the others we've done we probably need to talk a little bit about what we mean when we say Zelda-like, but hopefully it's a yeah. little clear already. Um, but I know personally, like when I think of Zelda-like games, I'm usually thinking of a game that has, you know, an overworld of some form that's, if it's in the kind of 2D, 3D genre, it's likely dealing with dungeons and puzzle solving with some light action um, RPG elements. Like usually there's not leveling up, but sometimes there might be usually items that you find that help you kind of solve new puzzles. Um, but that's kind of like the big thing, I think, like exploration, action, dungeons. That's kind of like where my head goes when I think Zelda likes. Yeah, in my case, I usually like put exploration on a pedestal for Zelda likes because that is like what... Like part of the charm of them, like especially like if you ask me what a Zelda game is, the first thing that comes to mind is exploration, the the wonder of discovering something new, or like interacting with the NPCs, puzzle solving, be it outside of the dungeon or inside of the dungeon. Sometimes maybe revisiting areas that you maybe didn't have access prior to having a certain item or hitting a certain point of story. And most of the times it includes a little bit of combat or a lot of combat, depending on which game you're talking about. Yeah, I think for me, and this is kind of what you guys both alluded to, it's a combination of uh, action combat and meaningful interaction with the environment outside of that combat. So generally environmental puzzles um but you know with breath of the wild you sort of open that door to the crafting stuff which i'll be honest i kind of needed to because i struggled i've not played lots of zelda games let alone lots of zelda like games and so um if we segue into our introductory games for some of the little to no experience i have cheated a little bit and said what better way to be introduced to zelda like games than zelda um specifically in this case the minish cap I did very nearly pick Spirit Tracks um, because I have a, a, a well-established love for that, but I know that's a bit more of an acquired taste. Uh, Minish Cap is just really clean, distilled, top-down Zelda. And I am justifying including it because it was Capcom that made it, so it's kind of not quite Zelda. <laughs> Fair um, enough. <laughs> we all know I'm reaching. We all know I'm reaching, but Minish Cap is a wonderful game. Uh, I have fond memories personally of playing it uh, on holiday over a two or three week stretch on a PSP Go. Um, I had an emulator run on that. So yeah, that it's... <laughs> That's a, a weird way to play it the first time. On a Sony handheld. <laughs> That's the way to do it. Um, but that that is my cheeky pick. And I, I, taking that along a little bit, I mean, that, that probably ties in a bit to your picks, Alex. I say yeah. picks because you've been a bit more in picks too. Yeah, well, because I kind of looked at this, like you said, like in two directions. So like, the first way is like, okay, if you've never played a Zelda game before, then I think you're right. Like you should start with a Zelda game. And I actually kind of think that the best intro, at least for me to Zelda, is The Legend of Zelda, A Link Between Worlds. Because I thought about A Link to the Past at first, and I love A Link to the Past, but I just think that 
some of the improvements that a link between worlds does and the ability to kind of like exchange items and like choose which ones you kind of want and you have more freedom within it and i just think that that game it's it's one of the best Zelda games ever made and i feel like we maybe don't talk about it as much yet because I don't think the like nostalgia wave has hit yet for this, right? Like I think the kids who have gonna grown up having like played or started with Link Between Worlds, they're not quite in that phase of like we got all this money, and we want to go back to the things we loved before. <laughs> so you know what I mean? Like I don't feel like it's like in the in the public, you know, conversation around Zelda as much. Um, but I I really do think that there will come a time where people are gonna really look back and be like, damn, that was a that was an amazing game. Right. Um, and like, I still think it gets like high praise when it's brought up, but it often feels to me like one of those games where people are like, oh, yeah, a Link Between Worlds, you know, <laughs> like it's like, right, that was tempered somewhat as well by it being on a handheld, right? Like mm-hmm. a Link to the Past was a big tentpole console release. And as much as we all love handhelds, they don't get the same profile. Kind of too. Yeah. 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 And I, I think Switch blurs the line with that a little bit because Breath of the Wild is technically a handheld game. But plus it doesn't help that it was on the 3DS, um, which obviously was still a popular one, but comparatively with the DS, you know, and I th- I think because like you mentioned, like I love both, like played Phantom Hourglass and Spirit Tracks, and I think they're both phenomenal, but you're right that they are kind of an acquired taste. And I think there might've been a bit of this like, oh, Link Between Worlds, is that's going to be kind of like, you know, like those ones. And I think that might've gone against it a little bit. Um, if you had those preconcepts, even though it is quite a different game than those, like actually it's significantly different. It is far more like a traditional Zelda game because, um, you know, there's not yeah, as much stylus stuff, but. I think it's purely mindshare. I think it's a case of you don't get as much journalistic coverage on games like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, not as much marketing budgets put into those. They retail for lower, so there's that perception bias. Uh, I would like to think that history would look kindly upon it and other handheld greats. Um, I suspect mm-hmm. that they have a harder time to reach that kind of beyond the scope of this, and I appreciate it taking us on a very wide tangent no, um okay. but so, it's such a gorgeous game like it's actually because i was debating between this and link's awakening but i think that it's such a gorgeous um it's just so it's so beautifully done and like i actually prefer the art style that they chose for this one um and yeah the being able to like flatten yourself and go through it's just so neat like i think if you start with this game you're gonna fall in love with zelda games you know like you'll be like damn these are so inventive and cool um but on the other side and i'm not gonna talk about this one as much but if you've played Zelda games or I don't know if you're someone, maybe if someone's a bit younger or they just haven't really played games at all. Um, I would, I would say ocean horn uh, monster, the uncharted seas is actually a pretty good place to start. This game is not amazing. It's definitely only like a, it's a good game, right? Um, in that sense of where it's like, it, it, you can kind of see it's got like a bit of mobile roots, but like it's very wind waker inspired, but in like that kind of isometric uh, perspective so it's it's still kind of a, a, a top-down Zelda game like a link between worlds and that 3d um realm but you're also like sailing around this ocean and so it's got that kind of vibe to it and um yeah i i really i just enjoyed this it's a short game but it gives you a little taste of what the zelda experience is like um and i think it would be kind of a nice way to get used to some of the mechanics some of the ideas within a zelda game because it is a fair bit easier than some i would say which is why I'm kind of like, but it's also careful because I always want to be careful of like, oh yeah, play this game. Um, but then if it's not an excellent game, sometimes people will be like, I don't see what's the point. You know what I mean? Like there's that balance with new players where you need to give them something challenging enough that's also compelling and makes them want to mm-hmm. keep going. And I think Oceanhorn does work in that sense. Um, so anyway, that that's 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 me. Um, Paolo, what about you? What is your 
Well, for me, I had a hard time deciding this because I didn't want to put a Zelda game because I felt that I already have a couple of Zelda games like on, <laughs> on the rest of the list. Mm -hmm. So I picked Forest Secret and the kind of like fighting DLC that it's also free. That's Mystery of the Frost. The reason I picked this is because it is Zelda without the combat. It has every little bit of charm, every little bit of exploration that makes a Zelda game a Zelda game, especially Mystery of the Frost that has a dungeon and puzzle solving. Mm. Um, and they are actually like very short games. They are completely free, so there's no barrier to entry besides having a computer that might be might as well you you might as well be able to run this on a toaster because <laughs> it really doesn't demand a lot of out of your computer to run it. The the graphics are like they kind of look like. They are not pixel art, but for the by the look of the lines, they kind of look like pixel art. I don't know. It's it's somewhere in between pixel art and hand drawn, mm. which is a quite interesting art style to go with. And I don't know. It's just a very simple, very on the easier side, but it's still like I guess it. It relies on how charming it is to have you like keep on going. And even if you played Zelda games before, I think then you'll probably enjoy this more because there's quite a bit of references to uh, some of the Zelda games. Mm. So and... that's my pick. Hmm? Sorry. And you, this Go was ahead. on HIO, right? Yeah, it is on HIO. We actually talk about that on our Each Travaganza episode. Oh, I recognized it's... it from somewhere, yeah. Yeah, it was familiar. I was like, I think I know this one. <laughs> um, nice. Well, why don't we go on then to a foundational game, right? For some people who they've got some experience, they've played a few things, um, and now they're ready for something more. And I, I picked for this one, and I was a little torn because I kind of was thinking about picking this for the next category, but I think it fits here, and that's Chicory, A Colorful Tale. Because I really find like this game, it feels to me like it borrows from all of the, the concepts from Zelda and that you'll benefit from having a bit of a knowledge of how those types of games work within it, but that it introduces such interesting mechanics to it that for me, it feels like a kind of game that's just like, if you're a little experienced, you're going to have an absolute blast with this and you're going to get to see kind of a new um, take on Zelda. Because that's something that I think like, I feel like I, I don't really, when I look for Zelda likes, I'm not really like looking for a game that is Zelda, right? Because I'm like, well, you can't beat that. I, Zelda's, Zelda does it, you know, <laughs> they do it mm. the best. So mm -hmm. I'm like, if you're going to make one, I want to see you add something to it that makes it stand out from the crowd, right? And that for me really is Chicory, where it's like, yes, this has the Zelda trademarks to it, but really like the items I'm getting is just new things for my brush kind of deal. And it's like really... um adding something to it that Zelda's never done. And that is why for me, I'm like, yeah, this is like a foundational game for sure. And I know Paolo, you're coming out into this one soon. I know Rick, you played it already, but I was getting- Didn't love it the same way you did, yeah. but I, I think a lot of that is is me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you just reminded me, I have to ask my sister for the hair tablet because mine kind of died and I want to be able to draw and paint pretty things. But- <sighs> Yeah, I I definitely see the appeal, but I didn't really. I 
I don't know if you said it before. I'm sorry if you did, but I didn't really have this one on my radar as a Zelda like. So, well, when you play it, I'm yeah, you'll realize it is yeah. very much a Zelda like. <laughs> yeah, the that kind of like tickles my interest over there. But um, mind if I jump in? Yeah. Okay, this one I haven't finished yet, so maybe my opinion will change long after this podcast gets posted, but <laughs> uh, for me, it would be Tunic, because mm. it has that exploration core, like, in a way, like, in a very close way where the other Zelda games do, but also in a way that, I guess, other games like Dark Souls do, you know, in, in the... I'm sorry to bring up Darsels, but <laughs> she went there. It, it isn't. I went there. It isn't afraid. The game isn't afraid to have a very useful or powerful item, like very out of the way, like in the way other games do. Like, as I already said, you could go without your sword, like for the whole game, and you might not even need it, or will find it more challenging because of it. So. Again, this game is very challenging. Mm -hmm. I haven't found like the first few bosses yet, but I found like an overworld enemy that sent me back to the the last statue I visited, and I had to go grab my money when like where I died, and then again. So there goes my money, <laughs> but. Well, it doesn't take all your money, at least, though. Like, it's only a little bit of it. Yeah, the release. If it if it was actually like there's this and took all your money or <laughs> currency or whatever, I would I would be like, no. <laughs> but either way, the the game is again has that kind of like Zelda like charm. It has even like the little manual that we talked about previously, and that. Is very reminiscent of the Zelda One manual, hmm. down to the art style, and I think if you like the games that don't really hold your hand at all, or that don't really tell you where to go, but at the same time they guide you through the game without any words at all, then you'll definitely like this one because right now there's a lot of games. Zelda included sometimes that really like yeah trade rolls you into like this very specific path of or way of doing things. Mm -hmm. While here it is very free in that regard. Yeah. I'm not saying much on this Wait, one because I'm gonna talk about it later, but I very much agree with what you're saying. <laughs> and sorry, go ahead, Rick. Yeah, by all means, I am making a last-minute switch, so you guys are going to be a little bit thrown by what's happening on the note as we talk about it. Um, I have nostalgia goggles for a game called Brave the Spirit, the Search for Spirit Dancer. Uh, I had another quick look because I started to doubt myself, and it, it isn't really a Zelda-like. It's more like an action RPG kind of thing. Um, I want to talk instead uh, about a game that was um, going to fall under a later category. That is Salatarobo Red the Hunter. Um hmm. This is very much more a Zelda-like. It's more uh, quest-orientated. Um, it's a little bit more whimsical. Uh, the combat is is a bit more varied as well. It's definitely button mashy, but it's like timing-based. So a lot of it's around grappling and, and throwing um, 
your enemies around. This is a game that kind of flew under the radar on the DS. It released late in its life. And if I remember correctly, it got quite a limited um, release in the West. But it is well worth seeking out, particularly um, if you are uh, sailing the seven seas to find it, the North American version, which had all of the Wi-Fi quests included on chip. Just a wonderful mm-hmm. game. Um, full of heart, full of charm. Surprisingly good looking for the DS and, and makes a lot of use of what could have been a very limiting combat mechanic. Um, this is a probably pick more than any other that shows my limited knowledge of this genre of games. But it's a good excuse to pull a, a an obscure pick out and, and put it up for your consideration. Lovely listeners at home. Um, <laughs> speaking of interesting games being pulled at random, our next topic is the interesting take on the genre. Um, and you're cheating a little bit again here, aren't you, Alex? I don't think this is cheating. I think this is genuinely an uh, interesting take because this isn't made by Nintendo at all. I'm uh, using Cadence of Hyrule because ultimately this is more like, to me, this is such an interesting, interesting case and interesting take because you've got an indie studio who develops a game, Crypt of the Necrodancer, which is brutally difficult and not really that Zelda-like. Like when you play that game, it's not really... There's not a lot of Zelda elements in it. Like, it's not a game that you would play and think like, this would make a great Zelda game. You're like, no, I never thought that when I first played it. You know, it was very roguelike, um, uh, quite intense. Um, and then, and I, I can't remember how this happened. I'm not even really sure. I think they either they approached Nintendo or something along those lines. But Nintendo's like, yeah, you can make a game using the Zelda IP. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, that is honestly kind of wild. Um, and I know that they've, you know, sent out games to different companies and stuff before, but usually it's like, okay, Capcom, you're going to make our hand, some of our handheld games, right? And like, but it's also, it's Capcom, you know what I mean? Like, they got a real good track record. <laughs> um, and so for this small company to be given this opportunity, and then also to really change the formula, man, I, this makes me want to play Kins if I really can, actually, because I know they had like more, um, uh, they like added another campaign and stuff. But anyway, um, the fact that they really changed up the gameplay of it to make it more Zelda-like in the sense that there are like actual dungeons and like uh, new things that you can get and whatnot. And like your map changes as you as you play and like go into it. So the exploration factor is really there because like you've got this big map that I think what I remember is that it can shift in each playthrough. I'm not entirely sure, but they have like set areas, but like their locations can move, I think. I, I could be talking to my ass here, but um, that's something that I think I remember from it. Um, and the fact that like the movement is based on you know, the rhythm uh, as you're going along. So you you move to the rhythm of the Zelda songs, which is like amazing because we all know those are some of the, it's some of the best music out there for games. Um, Brudo Valley is still like my favorite thing ever. Whenever I hear that song going, I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, it's technically in the Zelda world, but if you jump into this, it's very much not a Zelda game, I guess, even though it is, Zelda like, <laughs> which is if you don't if that makes any sense at all. But it's got the DNA. Just it's so completely different. It's more rhythm game. Um, I have to say, I, I think Nintendo approached them not the other way around, and it's such a um, it's such a credit to the game you make that a company like Nintendo is like, hey, cool, can we put one of our best characters in it, please? Yeah, like I know that kind of blows my mind. Um, that, yeah, Nintendo was into it. I know it's it's kind of wild. Um, well, because let me see here. I I, I want to check. Um, 
Yeah, no, they approached them. Um, oh, okay. Because they who's basically they said uh, it's they're a Vancouver-based studio. So this is the uh, Ryan Clark, who's the founder of the uh, Brace Yourself Games, which developed it, and they were thinking about its next project for the Switch, and they thought it would be cool to have Zelda characters in Necrodancer as downloadable content, right? Um, right. So yeah, they actually were like super, super interested, and then they were just like well, why don't you make a game instead? <laughs> like, you know, which I feel like the, the company was like, that is not at all what we expected, <laughs> right? Like, I feel like, you yeah. know, you, you come in, it's only their second release, right? And I have to say, it's like, it is, look, Crypto of the Necrodancer is a great game, but this is significantly better than Crypto of the Necrodancer. Um, and, and I mean that only in, in, in like the Risk of Rain sense. I think we, we were playing a game talking about, playing risk of rain the other day and like how the first game is great but the second game is just so much more amazing um and like that's the case here where it's like first game excellent second game holy shit this is incredible (laughs) um if historians want to go back and date the pre-recording of this recording we have all three played risk of rain 2 together and are yet to talk about it on the podcast oh yeah there you go so now you know (laughs) Someone who will come through to do their detective work, the Pepe Silvia shit. Mm. It was this time. <laughs> Won't take that long, honestly. <laughs> anyway, that's enough about Cadence of Hyrule. Um, Rick, why don't you tell us about yours? Yeah, so my interesting take is, in essence, what if Zelda, but no combat? And that game is Sable. Uh, Sable's just a wonderful time. It's a real chill-out game. Um, and as a product in its totality, it does something truly unique i think from um combining that lack of combat um a rich world to justify not needing that combat um beautiful writing and quest um sound design level design i thoroughly enjoyed the time i spent in this game um it's also worth noting the degree to which it embraces non-linearity there's whole chunks of the game that you can completely miss um, it's very guardrails down in the sense that you can end the game almost as early as you like. You can noodle around in the world for as long as you like. Um, and there are whole endings that, you know, whole chunks of content that can be completely missed. I think that speaks a lot to the quality of a game, how trusting they are in you as a player to go and find the bits that you want to find. And, you know, bits that you don't see, that's fine because it's all good. Um, and Sable is all good. Um, in a market which less so than it used to be but combat is a big focus in most games um particularly most sort of 3d open world games on on a scale of this and it's really nice to play something um that that mixes it up a little bit um yeah and it, I, I think if some if you're someone who likes those games anyway even with the combat it's a great let me rephrase that sentence <laughs> It it makes you engage with the game in a very different way when the combat portion of it isn't there anymore and you have to pay more attention to what's going on. Um, and I think that's what's so compelling about this and so interesting about this take on the genre. Tie it back in. Um, yeah, Paola, go ahead. Okay, so after deliberating a lot, my pick for this category <laughs> is Okami. Because, okay, so at first glance, you would think it would be like, for example, Twilight Princess, but you always get to be a wolf. But it is way more than that, in the sense that 
first of all, you are not as if of your avatar as the goddess of sun. But also you have the power like to um I I gonna say you can use the wolf cell as a brush and actually like uh, I guess paint on the screen and activate like certain powers like making flowers bloom or or slashing at enemies or stuff like that. I haven't finished this game. I actually started it all the way on the Wii era. And I do remember playing quite a bit of it on my Wii U. Hello to maybe other five people who <laughs> own a Wii U. But... And I tried to play it on PS4, and now I own it on Switch. So maybe we'll you'll hear more of my ramblings about this game on on the podcast very soon or soon ish. But the thing about Okami is that it has this unique term, like it is imbued on Japanese folk stories, Japanese culture, in a way that no other games are. Like if you think of a like very famous folk story, it's probably represented rather faithfully on the game and that gives it like its own identity almost plus the art style i haven't seen any other game like with quite that art style before where everything looks to be like hand painted with a japanese brush so from the art style to the to the combat to the actual use of the brush in game i think this is this to me was like one of the most interesting things of the genre yeah i actually i have beaten this one it was on my list but i saw you had it so i was like hey you know what i'll choose a different one here so i can talk about this one later but yeah i, I beat this one on the switch and, and i agree with you i think what's interesting about this game like you're mentioning is the the japanese influence it's like zelda is very clearly um influenced by japanese folklore but it's more subtle, right? And I feel like Okami is very much just overt and like it's the main element of the game, right? Like it's just very mm-hmm. clearly based on Japanese folklore um, and isn't shy about it at all. Whereas Zelda feels sometimes like it's flirting with Japanese folklore and like there'll be little things where you're like, oh, that's kind of like, oh, okay. And like you learn later. Whereas in this game, you're like, no, 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 that is the core of it. But I should also mention that it's not... um it it won't you won't be confused by it like they do a very good job of getting the story across to you and getting you acquainted with that world it's just that if you have more knowledge of japanese folklore you might get deeper meanings right or you may recognize things a little bit quicker um but i also think that's part of what makes it so much fun is that you're very much experiencing a cultural artifact in a lot of ways right like it's like okay this is actually a very unique um unique game and it's just it's hella fun <laughs> like honestly it's one of the big things it's and like the brush mechanics super fun i imagine that was great on the wii using the rig motion controls for it yeah it certainly was in the brief that i played yeah yeah it's not great on switch for that because like you can technically use the touch screen but i mean you're you don't really you're not gonna do that shit you're mostly just gonna draw it because like you don't want to take your hand off and uh, but they made it simple enough that it works anyway and there's a DS game if you want to play too. <laughs> Okami Den. Oh, yeah, Okami Den. Yeah. 
The tragic thing is, I own both of them have not played more than an hour of either. I know Okami to me is fascinating. It's a game that I also tried to get into a couple times, and then it finally clicked one day. And I think it's because I had a commute, so I could actually play it in like chunks. Um, it's it's like Zelda games, like Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask. All these games, they're intimidating. There's a lot to them. Um, you can't really start and stop because when you stop in a Zelda game, you're like. You lose everything, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And Okami is definitely like that. If you stop and you try to go back, it's it's game over, son. You're never going to remember where you were. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Um, Cool. Well, why don't we move on then to our current definitive modern interpretation? And why don't, Rick, why don't you start us off for this one? Sure thing. So my definitive interpretation, and... Again, heavy caveat, I've not played many of these games. This is the definitive interpretation of the ones that I've played. Um, and a game that I absolutely loved um, is East 8 Lacrimosa of Dana. Um, definitely leans more on the action side than the RPG side. Um, there is a very robust um, crafting mechanic. There's a lot of sort of NPCs to talk to, quests give, given to you by them. But the main focus really is the combat. And the combat is incredibly good. Um, the the East games really with East Seven, and then the remake of Four, and again with this Eight have found a formula that works. Um, combat that feels good, a loop that is satisfying with harvesting drops from those enemies, um, moving them back into other components of the story, um, having a vibrant world to explore. It's a great one. Um, I've heard the Switch port is pretty garbage, but weirdly enough, the Vita version which I played is smooth throughout. Um, as supposedly are all the other versions of this game. Yeah, I, it's very... It, when you go and look at sort of a, a trailer or you know a couple of screenshots or a kind of thing, like it is what it looks like. It's really good, action-heavy uh, role-playing. Yeah. Um, definitely hues close to the Zelda mold without really feeling like a Zelda game. As I say, it's much more action-y than puzzly. Um, I tend to find that Zelda games lean a bit more in the other direction. Yeah. But still a 10 out of 10, still an excellent game. And for me, um, uh, a must-play from the last gen of gaming. Nice. nice. Paolo, what about you? You've got, you've got two, I'd say, cheats on here. <laughs> Big cheats. Yeah, this is probably me cheating. Um, part of me being a fangirl. And also me not really having played a lot of Zelda likes that are that really... That aren't Zelda? <laughs> That I don't sell that, but also that that they, I don't know, that it feels like, yeah, this is, this is it. So, honorable mentions to Majora's Mask, because that is by far my favorite Zelda game. But there's a couple of things that, well, both versions have their pros and cons. Like, the 3DS version would be perfect if not for a, a couple of things that we talked about before. But... And but between you being able to change form with the transformation mask, having all these other masks to aid on your quest, and also like using the the occurring of time in a way that is more like front and center than in um well occurring of time. Um there's so many things that you can do and so many ways you can explore the world that it is almost overwhelming. But the actual pick for this category 
is the lane of Zelda Breath of the Wild. And yeah, probably a lot of people are rolling their eyes right now, but hear me out. As I already said, for me, exploration is paramount on this kind of game. And even though in Majora's Mask you are able to explore the world, the world is a lot smaller, but it has like a lot of hidden stuff on there. The thing about the world in Breath of the Wild is that on replays, you can still find something new. Like, and I put <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of hours on these games. So I speak from yeah. experience saying, <laughs> yeah, I speak from experience saying that, like, even that time isn't nearly enough to see, like, what, like, everything the game has to offer in a way. Like, you you always find new little details, new uh, like, stories about NPCs camping between the, the guardians on the castle or anything, anything silly like that. And because of that, and because of how... I guess you have less tools at your disposal, but at the same time, it feels like you can do a lot more with them. In in a way that maybe the developers didn't quite foresee, but thanks to the insane physics engine the game has, it is possible. That's why this one is my number one pick. Yeah. I mean, fair enough. <laughs> it's certainly <laughs> a definitive game, yeah, like, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, Beyond but the cheating, it is hard to argue. <laughs> I, I know, I know, I was cheating, but like it, it has the essence of the original Zelda game, so I couldn't mm. fight with it. I suppose it is Zelda-like. <laughs> um, I... Well, I picked one that I think also has the original essence of the. Uh, the first Zelda game, and that's Tunic. And I also haven't fully beaten this yet, but whatever. Um, from what I've played, this is, uh, I, honest to God, like, I'm just like, games, you gotta fucking pay attention to this one because this is how you do it. Like, it's better than many 2D Zeldas, and those are some of my favorite games ever. So, like, that's not to say that 2D Zeldas are bad. Hell not. They're amazing. But this is just, like, fucking next level. In terms that the combat is sat, and this is because, like, like you were mentioning this too, Rick. The combat sometimes in Zelda games isn't always that satisfying. Playing through Majora's Mask right now, the combat's shit. I'm just sorry, it's not good. Like, it's <laughs> it's serviceable, but that world, the exploration, the stories in it, that's the real highlight of those of those games. And then you know, solving the puzzles of the dungeons. But whenever you get into a fight, some of the boss fights are fun. Um, but whenever you get into a fight in general, it's it's. It is what it is, you know. It's it's it the targeting game. Yes, yeah, a waiting game, and I'm like, that's not fucking fun. Um, now the new masks do let you do fun things. I love punching as the Goron. That's great. Um, but ultimately, at the end of the day, I don't think you talk to someone in Majora's Mask and they're like, "Oh man, my favorite part of that game, the combat." You know, <laughs> like that's not, yeah. I've never that. heard a single yeah. person say that. But Tunic, Tunic manages to create compelling, challenging combat along with awesome puzzle solving and some of the greatest exploration I have ever, ever seen in a game. The way that you just like suddenly discover that that part was connected and you didn't know is brilliant. And like, because I remember there's one particular thing I found, like I'm not going to spoil for anything, but basically it involves like um, uh, a secret uh, entrance that is like right near the start of the game that I had no idea I could have gotten a really, really valuable item super quickly and just did not get it. And I was like, 
what? Oh my God. Um, Cause I got it in the proper order. But if you were to start the game again, you could easily go in and get some of the best equipment that you need for the game, like right away. And you would just have mm-hmm. it in that. And you're like, there we go. All good. Um, and it doesn't gate you. Like, and a lot of these games, um, even, even Zelda is pretty, you know, guilty of this a lot of times where they'll gate you from going in like even in majora's mask it's like oh do you want to go up to the goron mountain mm, sorry you got to go get a certain item first before we can do that and it's like oh you fucking fuck um so you're like rush over and you're like i'll go do the stupid force thing again and then you go back and you're like all right now i can go up and you're like yes you can go now but tunic's like i don't give a fuck man <laughs> like just figure it out just figure out how to do it. Yeah, maybe you don't know the knowledge yet, but if you figure it out, you can do it. And like, I love that. Like, it makes me really explore elements of it. And this makes me sound like I'm shitting on Zelda, but Zelda is my favorite thing in the world. I fucking love Zelda. I've played all the Zelda games. <laughs> so just, you know, this comes from a place of love. Um, and I'm currently playing through Majora's Mask again, which is very enjoyable. Um, but yeah, Tunic just like, it takes the lessons and it impl- it applies them, you know? Like, I can't fault the earlier Zelda games for not having the things that Tunic has because those ideas weren't around yet, right? Like it takes concepts from Dark Souls, but refines them. Um, so it has some of that combat stuff, but it, it it pulls it back a little bit so that it's still challenging, but not as punishing um, because it does want to reward you for exploring things. It doesn't want you to be like that afraid of going somewhere, but then it also has the ability to level your character up. And I think that is such a excellent addition to the game because the world doesn't level with you, right? And like, I, I don't know, Paolo, you probably agree. Like often in Zelda, what becomes part of the problem is that you eventually get like, you know, better weaponry. And then all of a sudden, all the enemies are fucking simple. <laughs> you know, like you're just like, yeah, done, done, done. Um, but in this game, there are areas with enemies that simply are more powerful than you. And you have to kind of level your character up or you can go and you can, you can beat them if you want, but you're gonna have to be really skilled and talented. Um, or you can level yourself up and then go challenge them. And it's nice because without that, you know, it, it does make it feel like there are parts of the world that are frightening and dangerous. But if you prepare yourself properly and make your way through, you can go and do it. And I went through an area in Tunic that I was clearly not supposed to go into, but it let me do it. And I got a bunch of stuff for doing that. And I was like, cool. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like, it's I'm say, over. But you say like big scary things out there. It kind of reminds me of, Xenoblade Chronicles 2 with the difference mm-hmm. that Xenoblade Chronicles 2 no you don't you really don't stand a fucking chance with a strong enemy yeah because that's the turn-based stuff right so you really your skill yeah. hits there's a ceiling for your skill within those games which turn-based which is kind of a, a, a pro and con of turn-based games I think where they can really gate you from doing things um, which could be great for their storytelling but can also suck if you're like, but I'm good enough. I want to try. <laughs> Xenoblade Chronicles is real time, but it is that same thing where like you have level numbers. And if there's yeah. a 50 level cap between the two, which I've been in those situations in the yeah. original, you it aren't getting scary. around those numbers, bro. It's not happening. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like, that's kind of what I mean. Where like, yeah, it's real, real, but it also felt kind of turn-based to me. Cause I don't know. Cause it felt like you hit buttons and then it will like go through a thing, right? Like it, it felt less, um, at least when I was playing Xenoblade Chronicles 2, I could be totally... It's more like a Mowbray thing where, like, the attacks are automatic yes. and all your actions are on a cooldown, yeah. like, radial menu. Kind yes. Of okay, that's it. Yeah, that's why it feels different, whereas Tunic is, like, very much just pure action and there's no... Like, action. Cooldown. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, okay. Uh, that's enough on the uh, uh, wax and lyrical about Tunic, but I like it mm. a lot. <laughs> and it's on Game Pass. <laughs> Hopefully still on Game Pass when you listen to this. Um, <laughs> mm. But let's move to our final one here, which... 
which I'm going to, in the spirit of the game I've picked, do this quickly. Um, so I'm talking about a hidden hey. gem or acquired taste. And the one I picked is Minute, which is a game wherein it's it's monochrome. You have one minute each time to go through. And uh, after a minute, you boop, are brought back to the start of where you are. And this game is fucking dope. I know some people some people really hate it. They're like, like I don't like this. Like I, I want more time, but I love that shit. It is so awesome because you have to very, very carefully. And what it does is it makes you learn the world so well because you're like, okay, I have to go and I have to do this thing quickly so that's going to unlock something for me. Awesome. And what I find is that it's not it's not actually very punishing in terms of like, yeah, you got that time limit, but like. I found it very clear what I had to do and I had an absolute fucking blast with this game, like solving little puzzles and then realizing that, Oh, I just unlocked this thing. So next time when I start, I can just go right there right away and I can find that little space. I'm like, Oh, this is amazing. Um, so I can't recommend minute enough. It is such an interesting, and again, it is acquired taste in the sense that you are going to be up against a pretty strict time limit, but that time limit, like the game is built around that. It's kind of like Majora's mask in 2d. <laughs> It's also super forgiving because, like in a Zelda game, if you miss time of jump or Majora's Mask, if you miss something on a loop, you've got to go and reset that whole thing and do it again. In minute, by definition, you're never more than a minute away from trying again. Exactly. And yeah. and having that hard limit on how big the world can be and, and what you can get to where, I really enjoyed that. I thought it was quite a focused experience when I played it, um, and Same. I enjoyed it for that. It's like a two-hour game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If if that also has a Vita port, same as when we talked about Helltaker previously um you can get those game files dump them in a wrapper and it will play on vita just fine so always a vote of confidence um speaking of games that are very focused um my pick for hidden gem or acquired taste is nighting plus um so that's nighting but with an apostrophe instead of the letter g uh, and the plus symbol at the end this is a vita game i think it got releases on other platforms as well um it's what if zelda but just dungeons um and we're talking like traditional top-down zelda dungeons so you have four in total there's very basic puzzle mechanics around finding and using keys the combat's quite good um you know it's it's not setting the world on fire um broadly speaking it does the kind of things that you would expect it to do but it knows what it is it's quite tightly designed in terms of length it's only a few hours absolute tops and it is just a good time all around um there's nothing bad about it, even if there's nothing incredible about it. It's a good two, three hour time. And if you're someone that likes the combat of those, it's right up your alley, yeah? I was going to say, it's a perfect pick because even on How Long to Beat, it describes it as a little Zelda Light adventure. So nice. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, and me, there you I... go. Kamiko, Paola. Oh, <laughs> good run. That's so it. I actually have two picks for this one, a hidden gem and an acquired taste. Hmm. Uh, the hidden gem in particular is Kamiko because this actually came out near the release of the Switch, if not like at release date. And it is a top-down Zelda-like experience with pixel art and you can choose between three different characters. I remember one having a sword, one having a well having bow and arrow. And I think the third one had a spear, but don't quote me on that. I, I didn't play it. Was, all the... It was big sword, sword and shield, bow and arrow. Oh, thank you, Rick. Mm, big right. sword, sword and shield and bow and arrow. 
and I did play with the methinks it was the sword and shield because I I kind of wanted like a more traditional experience with that one. But the I remember it has a lot more focus on combat than exploration. But I also remember it like feeling like oh this is kind of like a self game because it also has like all these pus little like puzzles that aren't really complex but are there like to enhance the experience. And it's only a couple of hours long and it was very enjoyable. The one that wasn't like very enjoyable playing by myself was Star Force Heroes. <laughs> because that game was made for you to play with two other people, but try to find two other people that had the game. Good luck on that one, soldier. Mm. And this one is more of an acquired taste. I almost finished the game, but I got stuck on a boss because I had to like I don't know I don't think anyone cares about spoilers for this one, but it was like a giant fucking snake an ice snake in an ice level and the floor was slippery and that pretty much broke me because I had to um, manage three links on an ice level trying to get the attention of the snake with one and trying to hit the tail of the snake with the other with one of the other links and that didn't go well at all so on the other hand I did play at the very least, like the beginning stages of the game with my boyfriend and a friend. And that is, that has to be like one of the like the most fun I've had in, in a multiplayer game, like in a top-down multiplayer game, especially. Hmm. Because of, although it, it really depends on who you're playing with. So this one is very hit or miss depending on how collaborative are the other people you're playing with or how well you all can take the joke of hoo-hoo and throwing you like down the abyss and oh we all died because of that so yeah that's that's my acquired taste pick for nice. for this one play Kamiko though that's that's actually really fun it is a very fun game it's just a simple yep. fun game um I have one last question for both of you and it's not a fair question but we're gonna do it anyway 2D uh, or 3D Zelda? What's your go-to? 3D. I like the top-down 2D, 3D one, so I'm going to cheat and say that. Oh, you know what? I'm with you. I'm more of a 2D Zelda guy. I think the 3D games are great, but when I really think about them, I like three of them. Majora's Mask, Wind Waker, and... Well, I guess maybe four. Majora, actually, really, technically... Wind Waker, Twilight Princess, and Breath of the Wild are the three that I'm like, yeah, awesome. And then I'm like, oh, Majora's Mask is fun, but dated. Don't really give a shit about Skyward Sword, not going to time can die in a fire. So like, really, I'm just like, <laughs> it's not fun to play. It's not fun to play. I agree. I'm, I'm on record as saying that I've tried like four times but and none of them work. Every single 2D Zelda game I've played is enjoyable. I mean, maybe the fucking side scrolly Zelda Two is different, whatever. Uh, that one, but even Legend of Zelda with Top a down Zelda, exactly sure. Legend of Zelda with a little guide, incredibly fun. Uh, Link to the Past, one of the best games out there. Link Between Worlds, amazing. Link's Awakening, love it. Oracle and Seasons, I get it. Some people are not a fan of Game Boy, but I fucking dig those games so much. <laughs> and it's just like every one of them that I've played, I'm just like, yeah, give me more, give me more. Spirit Tracks, two, two, ten out of ten yeah. is right on the platform. Good shit. 
Phantom Hourglass, amazing. I guess those are technically, but they're, they're yeah. still top down. And that's no, thing. they're top down. That's what I'm saying. Top down Zelda is yeah, the Zelda. The yeah. So I'm afraid I'm a 2D. I'm a 2D boy. That's just my. Uh, <laughs> that's, there you go. You heard it here first, right? Um, but obviously the 3D Zelda's are incredible. Some of the best games ever made. Whatever. Okay, I get it. But <laughs> um, that's it for this episode. So thank you. Tune in. Let us know if you have other Zelda likes. I know there's some like, you know, Darksiders and whatnot. There's Zelda likes, 3D Zelda likes, really. Um, never really totally vibed with me, but apparently they're fun. Um, so if you've got one that you think we missed, or if you're just like, nah, brah, you're totally wrong. 3D Zelda is the way it's at. Let us know. And uh, we'll and catch you next time with another genre recommendation. Toodles. Peace. Okay, that's this cool palette. You don't no, goodbye from Palace. He hates you. <laughs> no, I, I am so glad we are not like a big podcast because I will probably get roasted by my best friend for saying Breath of the Wild is this Zelda-like. <laughs> because there are, there's a lot of people saying that it is not a good Zelda game. Oh, I mean, it, I get it. It's different, right? Like, I do sort of understand that as well. Yeah, not as many dungeons. It's great open world Zelda, though. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it, everyone. Bye bye. <laughs>